is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Friday, November 18th, 2022 edition of the Daily Energy News Beat Stand Up. I'm your humble, humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, coming to you from an undisclosed location here in Dallas, Texas, joined by the purveyor of the show, the executive producer of the show, and the founder and editor in chief of the world's greatest news website, energynewsbeat.com, Stuart Turley. We made it to the end of the week, my friend. We did it. Oh, we did. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, it was a brutal week, Michael. And you make it sound so fun, but yes, we did have a, a long but good week, um, and I'm excited to, to, to get you guys this episode and get you on your way. Hopefully, you only have one to two meetings. You can only spend you know a little bit of time at the office, get out of there, start your weekend early. Um, we appreciate you tuning in. We've got a great show for you lined up. We're going to keep it pretty simple, get you out of here quickly. Stu's got a couple stories. First one is Russia set to ban. This Russian ban is set to upend the European crude oil trade. He's going to kind of cover some of the fallouts around that. You know, he mentioned yesterday on the show to watch out for uh, export bans. Well, guess what? Biden is now weighing U.S. fuel export limits as Northeast diesel stocks dry up. We'll let him gloat for a little bit and then we'll finish on on what the Republican new Republican House means for energy. And unfortunately, Stu gave me a rundown. It doesn't look good, unfortunately. So <laughs> they'll cover all that in a bag of chips when it comes to the news. Um, I've got really just some quick, quick things on energy, crude oil. Oh, not a good day, um, but we'll, we'll cover what it means. Uh, overall markets look okay. We've got uh, the St. Louis Fed Reserve or the St. Louis Federal Reserve president with some interesting comments. Natural gas trades up a little bit, but we did have a little choppy EIA data. Um, Diamondback, we'll cover that acquisition. I'm actually a fan of it. And then we're going to get you out of here and get you on to the weekend. Before I kick it back to Stu, guys, again, all the news is available via the world's greatest website, energynewsbeat.com. All of the articles, the links are in the bio. Thanks to Stu. He spends a tremendous amount of the time putting that together. Check us out, www.energynewsbeat.com. All right, where do you want to start, Stu? I'll let you uh, pick one to start with. Okay, we're going to go with the uh, uh, door number one. Russia ban set to up in European crude trade. Now, the EU has set in uh, the the bans and, and coming in. They are coming into effect December 5th. These bans uh, are really trying to be a price cap. So when you're taking a look at that price cap, they don't really do uh, much. Russia, and where this really comes into play is Russia has uh, dropped their exports to Europe by 8%, 8 to 10%. Okay. But what they've done is they have increased their revenues. This is huge, Michael. They have increased their revenues year on year from 2021 to 2022. They were 34% of their revenue or their mm -hmm. GDP in 2021 was about 34%. They are now projecting their revenues will be between 39 and even possibly up over to 41 is energy exports. Sanctions don't work. Again. And they're even selling at a discount. And that's even at a discount. They've no. sold less. They're making more. And guess who's paying for it? The consumers. And, and so that is really weighing in on the energy crisis in there. So all, that article is really interesting as it kind of weaves through this whole thing. Now, here's where this article is a little bit funny. 
uh, Biden is weighing U.S. fuel export limits as Northeast diesel supplies dry up. Now, here's where they got you. Okay, I've heard by my sources, and I I got I know people, and and, and, and got people. Yeah, I Your got people's people. got people too. Oh yeah, my people's got peoples. And, and so when we we sit here and we take a look, they're looking at telling people to they're going to put a mandatory supply that they have to keep in the U.S. They're going to ban the exports of diesel until they can meet those supply requirements. Guess what's going to happen? Those extra supplies mean they got to have extra costs for new tanks. They're going to have to store them. They're going to have to hold up shipments. And guess what's going to happen to all of this, Michael? Prices are going to go up. I'm telling you this, whoever's running our energy policy right now, they're not thinking with second order effects. No. There's this idea of think two, three, four steps ahead. It's the idea with second order effects. What you do affects what then you are allowed to do after that step and after that step. And if you make a decision, if you make a decision in, in layer one, Right. Moves you away from other decisions you could make if you had made another decision at layer one. And I it's like like football GMs do this all the time. You'll there'll be trades that get made and you're like, that was a dumb trade because you weren't thinking about what that then means for the rest of your team. You you know, you bring a guy into a locker room with a personality. Maybe he's a great player, but the personality doesn't vibe. And over the long term, that personality wears on people. You end up losing two or three of your core players. And now you're more reliant on just one piece of talent versus an entire roster. It's the same thing here. Oh, we're just going to ban supply or we're just going to ban exports. I mean, but great. Well, we're going to put it all. Now we're going to put it on massive tanks that are very expensive. Things aren't cheap right now. Oil field service inflation is a real thing. So it's this second order thinking that's just terrible right now. And and here's where banning of diesel is also kind of bad from the standpoint. Home heating fuel in the Northeast is a real problem right now. And so they're very close, diesel and home heating oil. So this article is is pretty uh, amazing, and this also brings up us into the next article. And all three of these articles are very much related to each other, but you got to watch for the nuggets. Okay. The nugget, you know, the House barely won the uh, the Republicans barely won the House, and here's where it might really be a positive, and where it may not really affect energy. What we just talked about in that last article was they're going to be legislating through regulation by requiring additional storage to be held uh, on there, increasing the price. So what uh, this article has a really, really good point is that this is tied to the Inflation Reduction Act, which was had all of the extra tax credits for renewable energy and all of the other, and very little for increasing the profitability, or excuse me, the additional things that you could do to drill oil and gas. We're not getting any more from OPEC that you brought up a little earlier, so that's not going to be increasing. We're not being able to increase our thing because of legislation through regulation, and that brings it into they're not even the Republicans are not going to be able to change the 10-year tax credits that are coming in and 
and that's costing things down. So you were talking about the second uh, matter of coming around the corner and none of this domino effect. Second order effects, you mean? Oh, absolutely. None of this is being thought of. Second order effects is not being thought about. Now, even Sandy behind even Sandy behind me thinks of second order effects. Oh, when pooping on the rug, she understands she's going to get hit. And and when the Biden administration poops on the rug, they don't care if they're going to get hit. Yeah, I, there are every, there's 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 any there's idiots on both sides of the aisle, but I agree with you. This, this is this not is, a this is not a oh by the way, it's a singular. I think it's the entire uh Republican and Democrat uh situation is not good, even if they did win the house. Yeah, Turley 2024. Um is that all you <laughs> no. got news wise? No, I would never pass a background check. <laughs> oh yay. all right well from a finance side i mean it was pretty chill today overall markets were down about three tenths of a percentage point nasdaq tumbled um about a quarter of a percentage point looks like amazon is going to continue has committed to continue to laying off a steady stream of workers fed chair or not fed chair excuse me st louis national federal reserve President James Bullard did say in an interview that, quote, the policy rate is not yet in a zone that may be considered sufficiently restricted. That's Fed speak for rates are going up, baby. We are still seeing rates going to top. He also then basically suggested that the appropriate zone for a federal funds rate could be between the five and seven range, which is above where the market is expecting it. So that's sort of what's holding the overall markets down. And that's part of the reason why you're seeing crude oil at where it at's now. Again, we record these at night, release these out overnight so you can listen to them on your commute over. Oil's at 82 flat right now. And it's very interesting to talk about. We were at 84.50 yesterday, you know, even up into the 85 range a little bit, but weakness in the demand specific side of crude oil, I think is what's bringing us down here. Again, we have overall markets. If we go into a recession, okay, rates continue to go up. What is that? Raising rates by the Fed is meant to drive us into the recession because when it drives you into a recession, it makes dollars more valuable because inflation then comes down. That's or so that's the theory. Okay. So now you're at a point where if we do go into recession, we know that's going to impact demand. It's like a tried and true proven method that you can go back and correlate large recessions worldwide to drops in in demand. It's just true. Well, now if China is not relaxing their COVID restrictions, which they came out yesterday and warned all of their cities about relaxing the COVID constraints. If they're going to be in a perpetual state of not growing as quick as they want, the demand and and the way the traders and the speculators look at it isn't there to support this. So if you had to ask me, this is a demand side weakness versus a supply side you know, over glut. We're still, as Stu said, we need more oil and gas. But the issue is, People aren't as bullish on the demand going forward. So I think that's why you're seeing crude oil tumble to this point. I do think $80 is probably the minimum. So I don't necessarily think it's we're down to 65. But if we did, things would start to get really spicy. Trust me. Um, on the natural gas side, we're, you know, we're kind of back and forth here. Okay. So we've got really, really cold weather um, going on right now in the Northeast, three to six feet due in the Buffalo area. They had to move a football game over to Detroit for that. Um, so that you've got that on the bull side, but on the bear side, we had a EIA weekly natural gas storage report drop um, yesterday for a 64 BCF net change up from 
basically 3.5 or 3.58 BCF um, to 3.6, or I guess this is TCF, 3.64 TCF, or about a 64 billion cubic feet increase. So wow. we're basically at our five, I mean, to be honest with you, we're at our working gas storage five-year average. We're in the middle, right of that range, which is actually right. really, really, really good to see. Oh, yeah. But we still don't have any pipelines to help the poor folks. up. In I know, but we're, the gas is still extremely expensive. I mean, that's, again, more of a crude oil product. But it, it, again, they're all idiots. Really, the only other thing that dropped was Diamondback. Um, they went out and scooped up. As you know, they just went out uh, and spent a little bit of money to go buy Firebird Petroleum. Um, we covered that in an earlier episode. They have just purposed Lario Permian LLC, a wholly owned subsidiary of Lario Oil and Gas Company, in exchange for 1.4 million shares of common stock and 850 million in cash. Drinks on them. Wow. Um, and you have to remember um, that 4.18 million shares brings the total value of the uh, deal up to about 1.5 you know, billion. Um, 1.55 billion. And, you know, it's, it, it pretty much blows them up. Um, and is what you would consider a bolt on acquisition brings them up to about 80,003 or 83,000 net acres in the Midland Basin, which is pretty interesting. Some of the key transaction highlights, they valued it at 3.3 times 2023 EBITDA, um, and are projecting about a 21% unlevered free cash flow, non gap accounting, of course, um, at strip <laughs> pricing. They expect to spend about 150. 50 million in 2023 capital expenditures, and they're increasing their share, their uh, pro forma 2023, their expectations for cash return to shareholders by over 5%. They claim this is levered neutral. Again, this acquisition specifically is about 25,000 gross or about 15,000 net acres in the core Midland Basin, core Midland Basin. Um, they project about 18 uh, million BOE, or excuse me, about 18,000 BOE equivalent per day or about 18,000 barrels of oil a day or about 25,000 barrels of a BOE equivalent. They expect to um, reduce operating rig count from two to one for all 2023 developments. So I'm going to be running one rig through there. 154 gross, 132 net horizontal locations um, with an average lateral length of 9,500. So I mean, you're going two mile laterals, baby. They're going to be long and about 20 ducks, a uh, little sprayberry, little wolf camp A, B. Um, and they got 93% of the acreage um, is operated with an average 86 working interest um, and about 92% of their acreage is held by production. So pretty, pretty good core deal for them. I mean, I'm not, I've never, I've never, I haven't valued these assets. I haven't looked at if they're good or not. All I know is Diamondback has been one of the most fiscally responsible companies out there so far. I mean, if you want to talk about the model of how to sort of slowly over time grow and take your swings and be strategic about it, but not go crazy, not lever yourself up with debt, not get into crazy acquisitions, maybe do and hang out in that small, in that mid cap a little bit, then making the jump they are at right now, which is really to one of the larger players in the, you know, in, in the EMP space is the fact that, you know, is this tier one acreage? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, if you got tier one acreage, you know, 1.5 billion is cheap. So, I mean, it's probably tier one, one and a half, one B, one C. Is it, you know, is it your tier one? You know, who knows? Um, That's for smart. That's, you know, above my pay grade. All I know is that when you're valuing these assets, they only spend $750 million in cash. You got to remember, they're also giving away stock, but they've 
bought back more than 4.1 million shares, Stu, of their own on their balance sheet. And they've done it for a lot less than the $155 per share they ended up closing at. So it's a you're spending way less than the 1.5 billion actual reported, even though that's the money that gets exchanged. You know, if anyone's going to go out and make an acquisition like this, I'm going to support it. It's Diamondback just because they've right. they've they've not really, in your terms, pooped on the rug yet. I've always said good management, good numbers, and they're good people. Yes, they are. On the natural gas side, guys, again, pretty pretty choppy. We had natural gas storage drop, but you know, I, I think when we look at what to look for next week. It'd be very interesting with this Freeport stuff, Stu. I mean, I definitely think people are going to come out and, uh, you know, see what's, you know, I, I think, I think you're going to see some movement from Freeport and hopefully they can come out with maybe a little bit more um, information. But, you know, I think that's my one big thing to look for on the natural gas side, Stu, is uh, what happens with Freeport next week on the oil side. Oh, I'd like to see some more demand stuff come back. I really, really, really would. That's what we, that's what we need. Uh, I agree. And uh, we there will be a lot of traveling going on. This is expected to be a big travel season. But as we uh, close down here, uh, make sure to like, rate, give us a five star on uh, the podcast. Also, when you look at it, go to the uh, energynewsbeat.com website and leave questions because we want to answer your question. We are getting fabulous feedback already, Michael. So have people send your questions uh we want to you know make sure we get all we're getting feedback all right who knows if it's fabulous no i'm just kidding we appreciate it guys with that we're gonna let you get out of here start your day hopefully it's a quick one we will see you guys on monday Today's episode of the Energy Newsbeat podcast is brought to you by Inveris. The energy industry faces massive challenges every day, and the events over the last two years have caused huge disruptions like never before. Companies in the energy industry need actionable intelligence and a single source of truth that brings all the data together. Inveris is the energy specialized technology partner that provides intelligent connections for a global energy ecosystem. Only Inveris has the analytics, people, experience, and industry scope to connect the right data and information in the right way to discover missed opportunities and deliver fast outcomes. Find out more at Inveris.com. That's E-N-V-E-R-U-S.com.